welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship gathering at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Please sit back and enjoy our teaching time now with Lead Pastor John Buckley. So if you were here for the Good Friday service, I said our word for that was reflection. And to really be able to reflect on what took place. And if I picked a word today, being a pastor, we like alliteration, I would use the word rejoice. Rejoice. And as I said on Good Friday night, if Christ hadn't come to die, then there would be no purpose for this. But if he hadn't rose again and broke the chains of death, hell, and the grave, then there certainly wouldn't be any purpose for us to do what we're doing today. And on an ongoing way, why plant churches? Why go to church? Why give of our time, our effort, our finances, if it's just a spiritual activity, it has to be because of something that's happened inside of me as a result of embracing what it means to have the redeemed Savior be my Redeemer personally. So how do we get here in chapter 24? We need to kind of step back in just a moment as we talk about that, because I think it's easy for us to hear the story and know it so well that we forget what's happening here. These disciples who followed Jesus, these disciples that had committed their lives to Jesus, these disciples that had given up their careers, they'd given up their families, they'd given up their hometowns, they left all that, and now what? And now, they're the day after, and Jesus Christ is dead. He's dead. And they're not remembering what he said. They're, they're either numb to it or hadn't quite come to grips with it. But, but they're standing there wondering, now what? Now what? And in the verses prior to this, you're going to see that Joseph, who, by the way, if you look at Luke 23, 51, you'll see he was one of the dissenters that said, you guys, he was a religious leader going, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this to this guy, to this Jesus. I'm telling you, this is wrong. He was one of those dissenters that was there. And then if you look in John 20, which is another parallel passage to this, you're going to see in John 20 that, that Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus is actually helping take the body, requesting it from Pilate, and putting it in a new tomb, the body of Jesus. And again, the question to everybody was, now what? But we see in verse number one of chapter 24, then morning cometh. And I love the fact that they discover the empty tomb in the early morning. Now some of you can't remember the last time you've seen early morning. And some of you can't remember the last time you haven't seen early morning. Early morning. You know what I love about early morning? Everything's new. The flowers start to open. The sun comes over the horizon and sparkles a new days out there. The birds start to sing. It's as if all creation screams the creative hand of God. This didn't just happen, folks. This was the creative hand of God that we get to experience. One of the reasons I love being up here. I know many of us don't like the stairs. That's why I come up early, so it looks like I'm in shape when I get to the top of the stairs and greet. <clears throat> we all know that's not true, but anyways, it makes me feel good. But you look out here, folks. Look at the valley God's put us in. Look at the chance we get to see the creative hand of God all around us. See, early morning came, new light. Now we see what takes place here. On the first day of the week at early dawn, 
they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, we know the story, but these folks didn't. Now, now you got to realize, back in these days, there wasn't any funeral homes. When somebody passed away, you're the one that went and bought the spices and, and the, the wrap, and you put it all together and wrapped up the body and put spices on it for the preservation and the smell of things, and, and you're the one that was a part of all that. If you actually had a tomb, many in those days didn't have tombs, and if they didn't have tombs and they were kind of left to their own, they would get taken down to the, to the dump and put with all the other trash. But Jesus went in a tomb, and the women went, and they had a lot of questions, I'm sure, as they went there. But as they went, they found an empty tomb. I can't even imagine what must have gone through their mind. But we see their reactions, and I don't think as we see their reactions that it would surprise any of us what those reactions are. And so what I want to take you through on this passage is some of the different reactions we see to this news that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So we see the woman's reactions here, starting in verse number four. Now, who were these women, by the way? We don't know who all of them are exactly, and we don't even know how many are there, but we do have a few names that are listed. The first one that we hear, and the one you'll hear in all of them, and by the way, if you want to study this in all of the passages, this is another one of the stories that's in all of the gospel writers. You'll also see it in Mark chapter 16, Matthew chapter 28, and John chapter 20, if you'd like to look up. And I'm going to reference a couple of those along the way, but those are the other parallel passages to this. But we see in Luke chapter 8 and verse 2 that this Mary Magdalene was a woman that Jesus cast out the seven demons from. And after that, she became an avid follower of Jesus Christ. And then you have Joanna. Now, named Joanna, most of us have never heard of before. There's only one other reference to her, and that's back in Luke chapter 8 and verse 3. And this Joanna, she was the wife of a man whose husband was Herod, King Herod's steward. Or kind of King Herod's, he kind of ran things, his manager of, 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 of sorts. And then we also see the mother of James. Now this James that she was the mother of was called James the Younger, and he was an apostle. And it says there were many other women there. We don't know who exactly, but it gives you an idea as these women come together to prepare the body of Jesus for his death. Now, again, I've gone to lots of funerals. I have as a pastor, led lots of funerals, and I have never ever gone to a funeral home and had the funeral director pull me aside and go, John, you know the person you're coming to the funeral for? Yeah, they're, they're missing. I don't know what happened, they were there, and now they're not there. And, and I, I'm not sure what to tell the folks out there. Or if you walked up and you went there to a memorial service to say goodbye to that lost loved one and the, two, the, excuse me, the casket was empty, you would be thinking, is it me? Uh, I really thought we were going to come and say goodbye, and they're not there now. Now, the reason I say those things, and some of us are like, well, what are you talking about? Because you got to get a little bit in the mindset of what these women were feeling. <laughs> they went there, like all of us do when you go to a funeral, to see a dead body. Not to see an empty tomb, an empty casket, an empty funeral home, so to speak. This, it was empty. So what was their reaction to that? Well, we see in verse number four. So while they were perplexed about this, while they were perplexed about this, so their first reaction was they were flustered, is another word for that. They were perplexed. They weren't sure what to do, and they had lots of questions, as we all would. 
I'm sure they had a question like, well, where is he? They had to have said, well, where is the stone that was rolled in front of it? I mean, who rolled the stone away that was in front of this? What about, hey, where are the soldiers that were here last night? Because a lot of times people say, well, the women came here. How did they expect to get in the tomb? My guess is they were going to try to be nice to the Roman soldiers and go, can we at least go in and, and prepare his body? I don't know that for sure, but that would be my guess. But there were all these questions that they had. What's happening? Now, that's where I said we have the beauty of we know the rest of the story. But they didn't. Not yet, at least. They just wondered, where's Jesus? Where is he? What happened? And then they became frightened. They went from frustrated to frightened. And we see in verse number five, I'm sorry, verse four, the, the, the second half, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you? So you see these frightened women. Now they're standing around asking questions, figuring out what's going on. They're already in shock. Jesus died. Now Jesus is gone. That's a lot to take in. They're standing there with these spices, looking around, mourning still the loss of Jesus, their teacher, their master, the one who said he'd free them permanently. And now in the midst of their questions, boom, these two angels appear. I mean, again, Jesus is gone, it's, no, Jesus died, Jesus is gone, and now these two angels, it would be enough to give anybody a heart attack, I would think. They have, are taking a lot in, he's gone, and now, wh- who are these guys? Now you see the reaction, you could tell that they knew they were angels right away, because in their fear though, they knew to bow down before these angels, recognizing that they had to have been angelic or sent from God. They knew something was going on here, even in their fear. And these angels don't just appear, they speak. Now, I'm not sure when they asked the question they did, if they were just messing around with these ladies, because it's an interesting question. It's a very revealing question as well. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Hey, ladies, why do you seek the living among the dead? By the way, what a great question in the world we live in today. See, people are searching for answers in this world today. They're looking for answers in the form of success and entertainment and addiction and affirmation. But what they really need, what they really need to be looking for, they're looking for it in the wrong place. See, the only one that can give them answers and fill that void in their hearts is Jesus and he is risen. He's risen, folks. We're not coming and sitting here just doing a religious ritual. You don't get gold stars with God because you showed up today to earn your way up to heaven. No, we come here because we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've come to a point in our life where we've recognized we're a sinner who needs a savior. And we've asked him to forgive us of our sins. And his promise then is that he'll come in to be with us forever in the form of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're doing. So think of that question that this world needs. Why do you seek the living among the dead. His tomb is empty. Then we see as they continue sharing, the angels that is, they go from frightened to focused. Follow with me if you would in verse number six. He's not here but he's risen. Remember how he told you 
while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise, and they remembered his words. They remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the leaven and to all the rest. See, as the angels share, they call the women to remember. And while the angels are speaking, the lights turn on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did tell us that. You're right. He's got to be alive. That's what they taught us all along the way. Can you imagine the thoughts? Hey, we, we're Jews. We remember. We Gentiles also remember the story of the Old Testament prophets that led to this. And Isaiah the prophet, what he talked about. And this is all coming to fruition. Can you imagine having your eyes open, boom, like that? It's all coming back to him. It all makes sense now. The grief is gone. And excitement takes place. Their teacher's not dead. He's alive. And what was the woman's response to that? Let's go tell the others. Let's go tell the others. Now, let me ask you a question. What's your response to the gospel? Because what hit them was that the gospel had been completed. He'd risen from the dead now. Now it was done. And, and those of you who know Christ as Savior, what's your response to the gospel? Do you hear it and go, oh, you know what, we better study the Bible more about that and see if he really rose from the dead. Hey, you know what, we better just do this in our homes and close the door and, and just kind of make sure that we know for sure how to answer everybody before we kind of tell them what happened. i got to make sure I get a college degree in Bible before I, I kind of share the story. Folks, that is all lies of the devil. <laughs> no, what our response should be is who can I tell? But I don't have all the answers. You know what, I don't either. Here's a great response when you don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. But I'm happy to look in the Bible and get some advice and get some direction and I'll come back and let's talk more about this. And I've said this before, but as a pastor, I've done that many times. Sorry if I disappointed all of you and you thought I had all the answers. And I've never once had somebody go, what? No way, I don't ever want to hear anything else from you again. Never. In fact, most people are like, really? You'd like go study that and come back to me? Absolutely. Folks, don't let those lies of the devil. Go share what he's done in your life. You might not have all the answers, but you can say, let me tell you what Jesus did in me, for me, and share the good news. The only way this valley and beyond are gonna know is if we go and tell. I don't know why God decided to use humans, but he did. But you know what, there's nothing like being able to share with somebody else who has no hope what the hope of the gospel brings. There's nothing like it. Now I've had people tear up tracks in front of me. I've had people laugh at me when I've shared that. And I've also had people said, tell me more. Can you show me that in the Bible? I've had people walk away from me, and I've had people walk into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what I love about this? And again, this isn't uncommon news, because I've said it before. We're called the plant and water. God gets the increase. You don't have to save anybody because you can't save anybody, but you can tell the story. 
These women just knew that they needed to go and tell the disciples what just happened because the light bulbs went on. And they thought, man, if we, which are kind of second tier from Jesus, the light bulbs will go on, wait till we tell the disciples, they are going to be pumped. Yeah, maybe not. So what was the disciples' reaction? You see in verse number 11 there <clears throat> what takes place next. And the Bible says this. Um, well, right, right above it, it says the very last part of verse 10, who told these things to the apostles, but these words seemed to them an idle tale. What? They were dismissive. Like the women, they were processing the death of Jesus when all of a the sudden, these women burst in. They're all gathered together, it would appear from this, or at least most of them, and they shared the good news. Hey, hey guys, he's not dead. But he's risen, remember? Remember what he said? What was their response? Yahoo! Yes, he's risen! No, they were like, yeah, right. Now, before we're too critical of the disciples, some of us can be pretty skeptical. Some of us can do a lot of questioning. And by the way, God's not afraid of questions. God loves questions. We love having people come over to our house, and I love it when kids come to, usually I love it, sometimes I don't, but, because uh, sometimes I wish I had more answers, but they'll come and, Pastor John, I got a question, it's a hard one, great. Then I go, don't we have another elder here that can answer that question? You need to go talk to Ray Golden, or Brian Rod, or one of those guys, but I love that people have questions. God loves that we have questions. They didn't ask any questions. What did they just immediately assume? Those women are telling stories. You have no idea what you're talking about, ladies. Obviously, you were out in the sun too long. You whiffed in a few too many of those vapors from those spices you're carrying around. But no, I don't believe it. They were dismissive. And what was the second part that it says there? They were not only just dismissive, but see the second half, <clears throat> excuse me, of verse number 11. They thought it was an idle tale, tale, and they did not believe them. They were disbelieving. In their own way, they were turning their backs on the very story that was gonna give them the purpose for how they were supposed to live their lives. Now again, like I said, before we get so upset and go, man, how can you be dismissive and disbelieve these women as they come and tell them that? I think sometimes us as Christians can be practicing atheists. What? Well, we think that there's maybe some things that are too big for God. God, this one's too hard. Even you can't do this one. God, this one's just too big, you can't even overcome this one, God. God, you don't have an answer for this. You can't change that person's life. God, you have limitations. Folks, God has no limitations. God has a plan. His plan doesn't always fit the way that we would like it to. I remember when Sharon Georgi told us that she prayed, and I may be wrong on the exact number, but I believe it was over 20 years before her son came back to the Lord. Now how many of us would have given up two days in, or two weeks in, or two years in, or 12 years in, but you just keep doing what God's called you to do and leave the results up to God. We get so hung up in God not fulfilling things in our time frame, and in the way that we expect, and in the things that we want him to do, when sometimes God just has you in those situations and you're not gonna have all the answers, but then do what you know you're supposed to do. And I've said this many times, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. These 
men dismissed and had disbelief over what had happened. Folks, do you feel that way about God? Claim his promises. You know what? God doesn't always give us answers. Did God answer Job? We know more about stories than Job did. And yet, what was Job's response at the end after all he went through? You are the God of gods and Lord of lords. I am humbled before you. And he didn't even get the answer. And remember, he lost all of his kids and all of his wealth. And he didn't know that God was going to bring back more wealth. And any of you that have lost a child know that even if you had another child, it doesn't replace. He knew grief deeply. He knew pain deeply, and yet his question was not answered. But he knew God was still worthy to be worshipped and followed. But I love Peter. Now, if you'll see in John chapter 20, actually, it says, it appears that maybe Peter and John both went to um, to see the tomb, but we hear about Peter here. Now, you gotta love Peter. And you talk about a flip-flop. I mean, Peter's eagerness is crazy. And yet Peter's, I tell people all this, our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses. And Peter's impetuous got him in trouble. I mean, who else would grab a sword off the ground and not know how to use it? This is a fisherman, guys. <clears throat> and he's grabbed the sword, and, and he, I, I don't know what he was aiming for. Maybe his head, I'm not sure, but he chops off a servant's ear. And I just love the way Jesus does things. Doesn't even skip a beat, grabs it up, puts it back on the guy's head. You know, it's just amazing the way that he does things. But Peter, you got, Peter denies Christ, and yet Peter's here. You remember that? Peter didn't, didn't just too long in the past, he had just denied Christ, hadn't he? You don't think that still stung? He ran when he wanted to stay. He was torn like many of us are. They're taking Jesus away, but the guards are there, and I, my life is threatened, and if I hang around, what's going to happen to me? And then Jesus is he's hearing the jeers and the screams and perhaps, perhaps the whip slashing. We don't know all that Peter heard, but we know that he denied Jesus three times. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, Peter, he saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Peter saw Jesus feed five plus thousand and four plus thousand with just a small meal that could barely feed a person. Peter saw Jesus take dirt and sit on it, make mud and put it on a man's eyes, then he saw again. Peter saw Mary Magdalene have the demons leave her. And yet, Peter and all that seeing when the pressure came, he ran away from Christ and denied him. But praise God for the repentance that took place in Peter's life. Folks, don't allow your past sins and struggles to stop you from the future victories God has for you. We have a gracious God. And the devil lies to too many of us thinking, I've been too hurt, I've been too wounded, God's been too far away, and we dig a hole and sit in it waiting to die. Folks, the devil's laughing his head off. And now this Peter hears the story, and what does he do? Well, look with me in verse 12, please. <laughs> but Peter rose, and he nonchalantly, casually strolled to the tomb. Now, 
he ran. That's that impetuousness. Because Peter was anxious. Is this really true? Is he really going to be there? I mean, that's what, what it says here. He ran to the tomb. He, he, was, he was excited, but there was an anxiety. What was going to happen? What am I going to find? But I got to go. And I got to go fast, and I got to get there. And I'm sure just like a school child with his new, his new sneakers on, running with all of his life, he gets to the tomb, and without even hesitating, he stoops and he looks in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves. He was God, just like the women said, just like Jesus had said, just like the Old Testament prophets had said, all that was left was some cloths, empty. And how did that impact Peter? The very last part of the passage. <clears throat> and he went home marveling at what had happened. He was amazed. He was amazed. See, what we need to be careful of, folks, is not to allow the voices of this world crowd out the truth of God's word. Don't allow the voices of this world to crowd out the truth of God's word. This is either God's word or it should get thrown in the trash. It's God's word from front to back or it should get thrown in the trash. We're called to believe it and obey it from front to cover, or you might as well not believe or obey any of it. And he gave this to us because he knew we're thick-headed. He knew we needed constant reminders. He knew we needed step-by-step -step instructions. He knew we needed the stories to be told again and again, that we needed to hear them because he knew at different stages in our life, different parts of the story would take on different colors and meaning and understanding in our lives. So just as we wrap up things, I have a couple of questions I want to encourage you to think about. <clears throat> What's your reaction to Christ's gift? It's a gift, folks. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't lose it. You can't give it up. You don't get part of it. You either get all or nothing. What's your reaction? Are you here today and have you accepted God's gift of salvation? Enjoy it. Rejoice. Oh, you're here today and you've been religious. You've thought about God. You believe in God, but you haven't gone from death to life. You haven't gone from being dead in your trespasses and sins and to alive in Jesus Christ. Then why not make today your spiritual birthday where you go from being a believer to a follower? where you accept personally that you're a sinner, you confess your sin and ask Christ to save you today. Perhaps you've been hurt by church. You've been hurt by Christians. You might even think you've been hurt by God and you're sitting in that hole. Why not give him a second chance? Why not work through the woundedness and the hurts that you have and embrace him anew? The second question, <clears throat> Do you live like you believe Christ is resurrected, conquering Savior? I think a lot of us think that God's kind of tucked away. God's forgotten about us. God will come back again someday. But in the meantime, I'm kind of left here on my own. By the way, that's not the God of the Bible. If we live like we believe it, it changes the way that we interact with other people. 
It changes the way that we approach day-to-day life. Because today isn't about just getting up and going to church, and Monday isn't about getting up and just going to work. You and I are ambassadors of Jesus Christ wherever we go. And we can grow in our trust for it with him. And we can grow in our hope for him. We can grow in being used by him. And in our knowledge of his word, day by day, we take the opportunities to add the tools to our life. We add the weapons to our, for our warfare, and we fight the good fight so that one day... When all of our eyes will either close in death physically or we will be raptured up to the church, excuse me, to Christ, and all the church together will be in heaven, the universal body of Christ, and we'll hear and see and be in front of our Savior. Let's start living like that. Have we started to believe the news so much that we believe that there is no hope? then come back to the word of God and the God of the words. Last thing. So who will you tell? Don't put that one off. In your mind right now, who do you know that does not have a relationship with Christ that needs to? And how will you pray right now that God can use you to be a testimony to them? All those excuses, by the way, are gonna crop up I talked about earlier in the message. All the fears... Because the devil does not want the kingdom of God expanded. So be used by him. Think of one person. And I'm just going to ask you to do this. Just start praying that God will give you opportunities to share with that person Christ. Let him do the work through you. Don't immediately face the fears. Don't immediately face the excuses. Pray the prayer. Lord, give me confidence. Give me boldness. Give me opportunity. Give me knowledge. Give me fervor. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing quite as contagious as an excited storyteller. If you're going to tell them about your Jesus as if he belongs in the back shelf of the back of the store, then nobody's going to get excited about him. But if you're excited about Jesus and you start telling people like you really believe he's alive, you will be used by God to impact lives. And he wants to use us to impact others. So who will you tell? Rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice because our lives have fullness, but at the end of this life, we have security for eternity. What will you do with the story of the resurrection? What will your response be, and is your response to Christ? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for the power that's in it. Lord, you know every single heart that's here. You know every single need. You know those that have never accepted you as Savior, that it almost seems as if we're speaking a foreign language. You know those that really haven't made you an active part of their life, Lord. They're a Christian, but they have wandered from you. They've disconnected themselves from the things that your word says they're to do, God. Restore in them the joy of their salvation. Lord, draw them back to yourselves. I pray, Father, for the wounded, bring healing. Lord, for the Christians that are committed to you, bring passion and fervor. Help us, Lord, to be used by you at whatever stage of life we're in to impact this needy world with the gospel. We thank you for this time and for your word. In your precious name, amen.